Special guest on this edition of Restore the Floor, former Spartan great, former Piston, Seattle supersonic, and of course, everybody knows the television analyst for your Detroit Pistons. He is Special K, Greg Kelser. How are you, sir? Doing well, Stoney and uh, Evan. Good to talk to you guys. Let's uh, let's start with uh, the Pistons themselves as far as what we saw last season. How uh, Obviously, Cade getting hurt contributed to the uh, 17-win total. But what do you think? Of, what did you like for what you saw from the team this year? Well, the best thing I liked is the fact that they stayed together. Yeah, I'm a, I'm with this team all season long. I'm on the road with them. I'm in the I'm in, I'm on the airplanes with them, in the hotels and the dining rooms. And it's you know if there's dissension, if there's uh, finger pointing, if there's any type of uh, uh, acrimony that's 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 uh, present, you know I would see it. You would see it. I never saw that. And I was uh, quite amazed that a team that was um, lacking the wins, uh, the winning that they were last year could stay together that way. And I certainly attributed that to the leadership of the basketball team because everybody wants to win. And most who get to this level have grown accustomed to winning. And when it's, you know, when, when the, set, when the uh, circumstances um, are such that, you know, winning is, is not apparent, then the next thing is problems, uh, you know, within, as I said, dissension. And uh, this group, they, they always seem to like to be around each other. There was plenty of laughter. They worked hard in practices. They tried to get better. And there were significant uh, improvement with many of the players. Uh, but when you're young, it's hard to win in the league. It really is. Every now and then, you might catch catch a you know a, a, a positive win in your favor, and you might be able to run some wins off as a young team uh, and surprise people. But it's very difficult, and it's rare. But uh, I, I think what happened last year was that they were set to to really have a good season, win, maybe challenge for a play-in spot or something like that. And then Cade got hurt. They had some other injuries and setbacks. And then I think the focus changed, and they decided, okay, hey, listen, we're going to go all in on you know putting ourselves maybe in position to get a to get the top pick in the draft, uh, and, and <laughs> I think that's why they ended up with 17 victories. I think that's a bit of a misrepresentation of what this team could have done had they had been fully healthy, which they weren't. But now, I think the focus will really shift to playing hard every night, winning as much as they can, landing where they land. Now, I mean, a humbling experience can usually be a positive if you have the right mindset with the players on the team. But you had just talked about the leadership on the team. And usually when the, your average fan thinks leadership, you instantly think the head coach. But now that they have a new head coach in Monty Williams. But when I heard leadership, did, did you mean just by the players in general sticking together and leading together more so than just one person or one voice being a leader? Like, was it more of a group effort? Like, because what it sounded like is it is a bunch of friends that understood the position that they were in and they took it humbly, understanding that they were going to get better from this. I was talking about Dwayne Casey. Okay. At the top, you know, because he's there every day. And 
he probably had one of the toughest jobs, given the fact that five years ago he was the NBA coach of the year, and he was coaching a team that was uh, championship contending in Toronto. When things changed, he came here. He had a team that was good enough to win, even through injuries, where they were good enough to win 41 games. And, and at the time, that did not seem like a lofty uh, number. But given how things have been over the last few years, wouldn't you like to have 41 wins now? <laughs> but yeah. uh, things things shifted. Uh, the roster shifted. The, the um, agenda changed. And the rebuild or the restoration started. And so he was thrust, that was thrust upon him. And I think that especially when you have youngsters, uh, they look to the leadership for guidance and direction. And I thought Dwayne Casey did that. I thought he did it really, really well. Um, sacrificing his one loss record, which was probably a hundred or so games over 500 when he started. And, you know, now probably a hundred or so games under 500, but that's the way it goes. Sometimes that's just the way it goes. But I thought Dwayne did a really good job of keeping his guys focused, keeping them believing, keeping them working hard. Just think about it. They may not have won a bunch of games, but think about how close some of those games were and how entertaining those games were and competitive those games were, even though the outcomes did not go in the Pistons' favor. That tells you right there that they're still in sync and that they're still uh, of a single mindset. Uh, You didn't have a bunch of guys out there going for their own numbers and, and that sort of thing. They played together and they played hard. They just weren't good enough or or, or experienced enough to win the games. Uh, many of them they lost in the in the last five or ten minutes, uh, last five minutes or certainly in the fourth quarter of games. You know better than anybody been around the league as long as you have. You need to have stars to win. On this team right now, are, are you confident that they have enough stars to win? And, you know, the Cade, Ivy, Duran, you think they can be stars, superstars? Do we, have we seen enough to know? I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know that I'm ready to, to, to certify anybody for superstar, superstardom. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've seen instances in the league where you don't have to have that. Heck, we saw it right here in Detroit. Right. You know, uh, in 04, no superstars on that team. And they were good enough to win a championship and almost good enough to win a back-to-back championship and were good enough to get to the Eastern Conference Finals six years in a row. So you don't have to have that. You just got to have a really good, solid core mix uh, working together. And I think that that's possible. Listen, I think Kate Cunningham's a 20.7 rebound, seven assist guy. That'd be excellent. Uh, you know, and I thought he was heading towards that last year in his second year. I think uh, Ivy has learned a lot uh, being pushed into action, thrown into the fire out of out of attrition, if you will, um, and learned to play a lot of point guard. I don't see him as a point guard um, exclusively, but he's shown that he can he can do it uh, in spots. Uh, Duran, sky's the limit for him. He's a freak of nature. You know, this guy is an amazing uh, uh, specimen body-wise, strength-wise, and uh, and I think his talent is still untapped. And, you know, we know they're adding some, some new players. Uh, they, I thought it was a good idea to re-sign Burks, a veteran who can – you can play a different, a lot of different roles coming off the bench or starting or whatever you need. But Dynamitch, I see him. Uh, you know, he, he's a twenty point per game guy. So yes, they do have 
some very interesting pieces. What has to happen is that they just got to be able to gel. They've got to grow. They've got to be able to 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 understand situations during you know during the course of games. They got to defend, uh, and then uh, ultimately it comes down to making shots. So that's the that's the goal, just to to improve the shooting uh, and 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 see where things uh, where things end up. They're very talented, no question about it. Now, what kind of player do you think the Pistons are going to be looking for in free agency? Now, they do need to add to the team, and you see players linked like Cam Johnson. You're going to have to spend over a hundred million dollars for four years. Harrison for a guy. Barnes, maybe. Yeah. Where where do you think they fit in the free agency landscape this offseason? There's no question that they, the team needs three point shooting because that's where the NBA is right now. Um, that has been something that has been lacking on a consistent basis uh, with the Pistons for a few years. So the goal, the quest is always to improve that aspect of the game. Um, the names that, that, that you just mentioned, you know, there, there will be others, but I look at the NBA right now, and I was actually at uh, Derek Coleman's summer league yesterday, and you know I saw some big guys, and you know I said to my uh, my younger brother, who's an official over there, I said you don't have too many guys uh, wanting to be called centers anymore <laughs> because centers are being they're being diminished, they're being uh, abolished. That that uh, unless you're Jokic or 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 Embiid, two guys that can play out on the perimeter with no problem. Uh, the days of you know putting guys down low and leaving them down there are over. So guys have to be able to develop their skills out on the perimeter, be able to put it on the floor, face up, uh, play with range and all of that stuff. And so that's what the Pistons are, 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 and any of these teams are looking for. And there seems to be, you know, anywhere from six foot six to six ten probably, uh, is what you're looking for. Wing guys with length and, but, you know, with athleticism who could play above the rim but don't have to necessarily play underneath the rim. With, with, with that said, do they have to get rid of one of their bigs? You know, I mean, they have, what, Bagley, if you want to call Beef Stew a, a, a big. Wiseman. Wiseman and Duran. And, and obviously they're not going to get rid of Duran. I don't know that you have to get rid of any of them because, you know, you can have, I think, what, 15 guys on the roster now? Yeah. Right? Yep. And and you know you you have to be uh, ready for for injuries. Hey, listen, with with the center spot not being what it used to be, and I know Wiseman is a center, and he he, he is a center. Um, you can have five guards, you can have you know six guards and 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 nine wingmen, <laughs> and and you know if one of them can go down low and be a center and rim protect for you for a while, good. But versatility is the name of the game now. Guys that can play multiple positions, and especially on the defensive end, guys that can switch and and have no problem moving their feet and trying to stay in front of much quicker uh, ball handlers. You know, it's a different game. It's a it's a it's a, it's a game that calls on 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 guys to be able to do a lot of different things and those who, who, who are able to do it best and most consistent uh, are most consistent with it uh, are the teams that are winning. Look at Denver. You know, Denver's got that superstar in the middle. No question about it. 
but I, I don't know that anybody's calling Jamal Murray a superstar yet. He's really, really, really good. And look at the role players, KCP and and uh, and Gordon and you know, Bruce, they, Brown Bruce Brown, Brown Bruce Brown, and the oh other God, Brown, yeah, yeah. Bruce Brown, Bruce Brown of all people, yeah. You know, Bruce Brown. Hey, listen, they they found an accord that they were able to sustain, and when the you know as the as the year went on, nobody was doing it better. They, they were the best team in NBA last year. No, no doubt about it. You mentioned the, you know the big guys who can play D and shoot from the outside. Takes us to the draft. Would they have been better off taking Hendricks from uh, Central Florida, who seems to do that? And not to knock uh, Sore Thompson, because quite frankly, we really haven't seen. I didn't watch a lot of overtime elite games. I don't know how much of you did. Uh, do you think that they should have drafted maybe Hendricks? And or what do you even think of uh, a Sore Thompson? Hendricks, uh, when I saw Hendricks, Hendricks, you know, Hendricks reminded me of a skinny Jaron Jackson. Um, lengthy, can move his feet, can block shots, has a, a funny-looking three-point shot that starts probably right at his chest, and he pushes it up there. Um, but, you know, he's, he, you know, he can make it. But, I, you know... I think that I think that what they were looking for with the guys that they took, I saw Thompson, and uh, I, I think that they were they were they were probably thinking defense as well, because he's supposed to be a pretty good defender. He's athletic as as all get out, and he he uh, not a really good shooter, but there are only a handful of those guys in the draft. But I think that they feel that he can become a better shooter. And when you combine it with that athleticism and his, uh, his willingness and desire to play on the defensive end, uh, those are things that made him attractive. I have no problem with the pick. I have a question about the G League Ignite in general. Do you think it's working? The reason I ask that, I guess the best example that we have out of it is Jalen Green, who is a 20-point-a-night guy. But do you think that is still the right route for these young kids to go more so than college? Well, given that I went to college <laughs> and I played a great college, by college, the way, and um, as a 19-year-old sophomore at Michigan State in the Big Ten, the best conference in the in the in the country at that time, without question. Uh, and as a sophomore, I averaged 21 points and 11 rebounds a game. And never even thought about coming out. Uh, worked on my game so I could get ready for my junior year. And after my junior year, had many overtures from uh, agents and, and, and pro teams uh, seeking my uh, interest and in making myself available for the draft. I never thought about it. Went back to school and got you know got that fourth year of, of uh, playing time and, and experience and uh, development, and when I graduated, I was able to be the fourth player taken in the draft. Uh, if I come out as a junior, I probably would have been around 15. Uh, if I come out as a sophomore, I probably would have been in the second round, even with that average. Jeez. <laughs> um, so, 
I am always, I've always been a proponent of just slowing it down a little bit and really getting better, letting your body mature, letting your mind mature a little bit, uh, believing that my talent will continue to get better and I will be much readier, much more ready to, to, to perform and compete and, you know, hold my own against the best players in the world. So that, so to your question, is it working? Well, it's working for what those people that are using, utilizing it for now, it might be working for them, but what you're having is, you know, guys that are, they're not quite ready guys that still have, uh, a lot of work to do and a lot of, uh, strengthening to do and a lot of growing to do. But the NBA is okay with that. Now, when I came out many, many, many years ago, it wasn't a developmental league. You had to be ready because yeah. you weren't ready. You weren't going to make it. We, we know, uh, coach Izzo has, you know, he's talked a lot about how he hates the portal and certain things. And with good reason with, you know, so many people looking for spots right now, I'm just curious, Greg, how would Judd handle today's <laughs> college game? <laughs> well, he'd have to change. <laughs> Could he? Or, or get out. <laughs> and, um, I mean, he, you know, he's from a, uh, uh, he's from a different time. He, you know, he, those coaches, Judd Heathcote and, and, and John Wooden and, 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 uh, you know, the Bobby Knights of the world and, and, but Mike Krzyzewski, he changed. Remember, he would never, there was a time when he would never recruit a one and done guy. He he changed. Uh, You know, Tom Izzo has, has changed. Tom Izzo is not that far of a departure from Judd Heathcote, trust me. But he changed. So you, you do have to change with the times. Judd would have had to change or he probably wouldn't have been able to coach in today's environment. And, and, and that would have been a shame because he was a marvelous coach and a wonderful basketball mind and everything. But you know, you're, you, you do have to change with the times we all do. Everyone does. Uh, A couple more things. Speaking of the Spartans, they should be really effing good this coming season. He seems though, for some reason, I love Izzo to do his best coaching the years where they're not supposed to be that good. (laughs) Well, last year's team, as we now see, probably was good enough to get to the Final Four with all those upsets. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know. you know, and you, you 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 come close in a game, and then you you lose, and you watch the team that you lose to just march on through. That is tough. That is a tough, tough pill to swallow. Um, you know, I, I, I speak from experience. Although I, we, you know, my junior year, we were not upset. By Kentucky, they were the number one team in the country, and we almost beat them. But you know, having to watch them go to the Final Four instead of us—that was difficult. So I speak from experience when I say that. And a lot of teams had to swallow that bitter pill this past year because you had a lot of teams get upset, and you know, you had teams in there that no one would have picked, no one would have imagined would have gone as far. Um, but with Tom Izzo, uh, he, you know, he—he he is a master at having his guys ready to go in these one-and-out games most of the time. I mean, he himself has experienced the upset bug 
uh, with teams that were really good that that were probably capable of winning the whole thing mm-hmm. did not make it. Uh, so he's you know, and if you do it long enough, you don't you don't you don't feel every bit of it. Uh, everything that could happen, you're going to experience it, and, uh, and he's no different. But I like Tom Izzo because you know, number one, he 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 he's 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 allowed Michigan State and us former Spartans to be able to brag about uh, longevity, sustainability, and continuity. Michigan State has had three head coaches in the last 54 years. How many schools could boast that? None. So <laughs> Probably like yeah, Syracuse, yeah. and that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. Yeah. That's about it. And, and, and we love that as uh, former Spartan basketball players because, you know, Michigan State truly is a sense of home when you go there. I mean, I go there. I played for Gus Ganakis. That was one of the three. I played for Judd Heathcote, the guy in the middle. And I feel like I played for Tom Izzo because that's the way he treats myself and so many others. Uh, we've always got a place to call home, and we can always go back there and feel like we're right at home. I love that. But to your uh, question, Evan, he, he, he does coach some of his best basketball when you expect the least, and last year was no different. I think he got a little caught with uh, without the the, 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 the requisite uh, strength and length on the interior, and that was probably uh, you know some of their downfall last year in games they should have won, and maybe even in a tournament. But uh, I don't think that's going to be the case, and I'm really glad that the players that were thinking about coming out, uh, Hogard and um, Aikens, uh, Aikens, yeah. I'm so glad that they decided to stay. They should stay. They All right. should stay. So you know Tom Izzo better than others, and we talked just a moment ago about how he does his best coaching when not expected to do well. Well, the pressure is on this year. They're going to be a top-five preseason team. They have the best recruiting class in the nation but coming in. They're probably in. second in the Big Ten, though, because of Purdue. Well, yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, that's just Zach Eady is yeah. all that is. But now we look at it. And you have Booker coming in, you have Cohen Carr, you have Fears. Jeremy Fears, and the other kid, his name's escaping me. But the last time Michigan State had a recruiting class like this, I believe it was Cassius Winston, Nick Ward, Miles um, Bridges. And that team almost got to the pinnacle after Bridges left, but 2020 was cut short. Mm-hmm. How does Tom mm-hmm. Izzo preach pressure to this team, knowing the expectations coming in, especially when there's four kids or three kids that are probably going to play as true freshmen for this team? He's excellent at keeping you grounded and keeping you working, keeping you pushing, keeping you focused and not letting you get too full of yourself. Tom is a master at that. And, 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 and you know, he's got three, four months to do it before things really, really uh, ratchet up in February going into March. Uh, and, and, and he'll, again, have a tough schedule uh, in the preseason, and he'll have a tough schedule in the conference. He'll take some losses. There's no question about that. But they'll be ready uh, come March. And, you know, Tom Izzo, he's already in the Hall of Fame, but he knows that in order to really, really uh, separate himself from other coaches, he's got to win another championship. So he's driven to do that. He's been to eight Final Fours. He's won once. Now, when you look at those eight Final Fours, there was probably only two more times 
other than when they won it in 2000, there were maybe only two other times when they were maybe the best team there, and they and it didn't happen. Other times, he was. There were times when he was fortunate to get there, and at all, and then the rest, you know, and then they weren't. They were not like the best team there. They probably were third or fourth, you know, team there. Well, maybe now he's got a chance to get there with a team that could be the best team there. And then they go ahead and, and finish the deal. But uh, I know that drives him. I know he wants another one desperately. Uh, some of the staples that we have around here in the summer include the, the, the Dream Cruise, the fireworks, and Greg Kelser's basketball camps. So uh, tell us about th- this year. I know I see... One, definitely a new location, the United Wholesale Mortgage Sports Complex. And then my neck of the woods, you're going to be at the home of the the Lakers. You're coming to the swamp, West Bloomfield, mm-hmm. baby. Yeah. And, you know, we even have one in Detroit. But that that's a specialty camp, it, and it's full. It fills up right away because the kids, um, it's designed to help those families who, you know, really can't uh, right now uh, uh, sacrifice what it takes to send their children to a camp of this level, uh, the things that we do at the camp. So, you know, that, that camp is designed to, to help those families. So it's, you know, it's a free camp, but the camps that we have, uh, at West Bloomfield and, uh, and, and at Pontiac, the one thing we do, we keep our prices very affordable. Uh, and we enjoy having the boys and girls there and we'll be there at those two locations again this year uh, June 10th at the uh, United Wholesale Mortgage. Uh, United J- July Wholesale. 10th, yeah. I'm sorry, what did I say, June? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> July 10th. Uh, July 10 to 14 at United uh, Wholesale Mortgage uh, Sports Complex in Pontiac. And then the very next week, uh, July 17th through the 21st, will be at West Bloomfield High School. And if folks would like to register their boys, Boys or girls, uh, ages seven to seventeen, they can simply go to the easiest website, gregorykelser. dot com slash basketball. gregorykelser. dot com slash basketball, and uh, can sign up. The one thing that we do at my camp, Stoney and Evan, is we teach a lot of basketball, but we preach a lot of education, and we put the kids through some exercises just to remind them that they have to grow both both their um, uh, capacities as a student and as an athlete and that they can coexist and prioritizing is important so we do that every day you know I feel like I'm a I'm a I'm a product of the the uh, emphasis that my parents placed on getting a good education even though they knew I was a really good basketball player and a good athlete they always always stressed education so we do that every single day and uh, the campus from nine to two thirty, uh, and we'd love to have uh, as many uh, boys and girls. Well, we usually cap it at about a hundred, and it's filling up. So, but we still have some space. So, GregoryKelser dot com slash basketball if you'd like to register for our basketball education camps. Well, I'm going to come over and say hello. Definitely one of them. And I need to know if you're still teaching one thing in this camp. Are you guys still doing the mic and drill? <laughs> We I mean, the big a, man's obsolete, so... We do a we do a semblance of it. <laughs> okay. You know, we, 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 I love that drill. I love that drill, but uh, it, it's 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 losing in its 
significance in popularity because of the way the game has changed. I know. We got we, we it's that three point line now, Evan. I know, <laughs> I know. I just I was just curious. I mean, back in my day growing up in Macomb County, being six foot, you were a four, so you had to do that drill over and over. <laughs> yes, yes. All right, Greg, thanks a lot. Uh, it's great talking, catching up with you, and uh, we'll see you down the road. I'm definitely going to come by West Bloomfield. You know, maybe when you're done, one of the sessions, just walk across the uh, next door and we'll play golf with Tam. Oh, Tam or Shanner, I love that course. Yeah. Really nice course. Yeah. Evan's, Evan, Evan's eating it up there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love it. We play. What do you, what do you shoot, Evan? So my handicap is a 13, so I'm anywhere from 82 to 92. I'm a twenty-one. Yeah, that's I'm, a, that's I'm, a, about, I'm a twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, that's about where I am. I'm like a twelve, thirteen. Uh, and if I really can, you know, catch a good rhythm and keep it, I can, I can challenge breaking eighty. I, I shot a seventy-nine two times, two, you know, last year, and even had a hole in one. My first hole in one came in November of twenty twenty-one. Um, but you know, I don't call myself a good golfer. I call myself an inconsistent golfer because I, I could shoot. 80, 81, and come right back the next day on the same course with the same tee, tees and the same pin placement and shoot 10 shots worse. It's crazy. Greg, such a dumb game, Greg, but I love Greg, it. Greg, you'd love this story. We had, I, I invited uh, Rip Hamilton to come out and play with us about two, two or three years ago. So he comes out, and he forgets his clubs and his shoes. <laughs> He left them at. He was staying. He was staying. He was staying at Wide World West's house. So he had somebody go pick him up and bring him. He he played with borrowed clubs for like five holes. You want to hear something, money? Yeah. We we were at the policy conference up in Mackinac about three, four weeks ago. Yeah. And and Rip Rip was up there, and there was a a nine hole scramble golf outing, and and Rip came up there. He didn't have any shoes up there either. They had, to, they had to go buy him some shoes out the pro shop. <laughs> <laughs> That's unbelievable. All right, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Take care. All right.